Welcome to the Healthcare Now podcast. I'm Ron Rahman. Across the developmental services sector, we're seeing the rise of applications using AI and other technologies that are used to support individuals in need with disabilities, as well as the administrative staff and the family. Not only is this technology being used to free up the workers' times, the energy and resources that are involved in supporting individuals, but they also have taken the experience to a whole new level. On today's episode, we have Mark Colella, an account manager at Cisco, and Kelly Casey of Casey Professional Solutions that are here to talk about their experience on collaborating on their app called the Autonomous Living Project, a platform that will give those with developmental disabilities more autonomy over their lives and get the personal support they need to go about their daily lives. Thanks for joining us today, Mark and Kelly. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. So guys, thanks for joining me. I love everything I've heard about this project, and I'm really excited to see where this is going. How did the two of you first connect? Uh, Mark and I first connected when I was doing some work for an organization called Creating Alternatives, a not-for-profit in Vaughan that supports people to belong to their communities through day program activities and other options. I was working with the organization to look at how we can plan for people differently, look at their full life, look at their future, and see how we can support them in belonging and finding a role in their community. And when Mark heard about my role to develop homes of their own for people in the community and some of the different apps that I had been trying to use in the past and technology that I had been trying to use in the past to support people and the frustration with the lack of integration, he provided a great solution. So Mark, do you want to add to that story? Yeah, I had a ha-ha moment basically saying, how can Cisco be the how in enabling the outcomes for more inclusive and, and autonomous living? Um, it was really enlightening to see some of the struggles, the pain points, and to see how potentially we can help address those uh, issues jointly. So getting to the app specifically, tell me about the Autonomous Living Project. What is it? Who does it service? So maybe I'll start and let uh, Mark jump in right after. Really, it's about um, supporting all people. So it can support anybody with a developmental disability. And I could actually see it going bigger than that in the future but it supports people um, to get through their day. So anything from, you know, identifying what the routines are, prompting them through those routines, learning new skills, potentially um, being safe in their home. For some people, it's just about being in their home overnight and having the right safety sensors in place to uh, allow the caregivers to be at ease. Um, It was just, uh, it provides you know, check-ins for people, on-demand support as needed, all sorts of features that allow a person to live the best life possible with right support at the right time. Just to add to kind of Kelly's, it's really the platform is designed to help, you know, individuals with uh, developmental disabilities through a couple key tenants. One is through remote monitoring, two smart notifications, along with alert services with smart device integration, really to tackle four key areas. One in which is task and routine tracking, welfare checks, schedule calls with family and friends, and emergency support access as well. So we know a lot has changed in the past 18 months with COVID. Uh, we've seen the rise of services such as these apps and remote monitoring and virtual, virtual telehealth. Uh, and now we're starting to see AI to help improve the patient experience. From what you guys have seen in terms of trending in, I'll call it the developmental services space, um, what unique things have you seen trending that we didn't see before our lockdown? 
You know what? Um, the pandemic was, in a weird way, this blessing that allowed people to realize the potential for technology. So although technology will never replace people, it allowed people who never thought they would try using technology, even for virtually connecting with others, attending their programs, etc., cetera, um, to actually try it and enjoy it enough to be curious about what other options might exist with technology. So for me, it was more about, you know, almost the opportunity to try something new and seeing people and families, mostly families and caregivers, feeling more at ease with um, looking at technology as a part of the solution. I think our viewpoint is pretty consistent with Kelly's. Um, it gave people the confidence to try new things or be open to it. I don't think if we would have socialized this idea with the, with the agencies we picked to trial this with, I don't think they would have been as open with that because the existing model worked fine when we can all congregate together. So I think if anything, the silver lining is that we now have the how with technology, right? We all, we, we already knew what the why was. And so, you know, for that, um, we are here and, uh, you know, we're hopefully going to be able to make an impact and, and transform how we deliver services, transform how people live day to day. And my understanding is there's about 65,000 adults in Ontario with developmental disabilities, and we're seeing the rise of technology with apps such as the Autonomous Living Project. These apps have the power to revolutionize this, this support sector, and it's great. I mean, let's just continue with it going forward. Why did we have to have COVID kind of advance it forward? Um, where are you seeing the greatest impact uh, with technology around the quality of support for these users and individuals? So for me, um, as a planner, I work with many different organizations around the province. And um, what I have seen as the impact to the individuals is the ability for them to choose where they live and who they live with and how they're supported. Again, um, many of the organizations I work with have congregate care settings where there might be six, eight people living in one space, one group home. And um, it has allowed them to look at uh, things differently. I'm planning for all the individuals completely separately. And now they're looking at different options and models to support their living. For example, a cluster model where, you know, four people live in the same apartment building and are supported by one staff who's using that technology to ensure everyone's safety and also provide the right support on site um, in the right apartment when the person requires it. So people get to live in their own space instead of having to live with others if they prefer to live alone, for example. And are we seeing the equal benefits for the care providers or the developmental support teams as well? Oh my gosh, they are loving this concept because they are stretched so thin to begin with. Um, resources, human resources has been the biggest issue in the sector for at least 10 years. All of our conferences are about how do we attract people? How do we keep people? How do we retain new staff? How do we train staff, et cetera? Um, the concept of AI sometimes jumping in and allowing staff to um, be with the people who actually need support versus with somebody who can be supported with technology is a game changer for not only the person, but the staff team. And so before when we used to see staff um, issues in terms of not enough staff and people having to be stuck at home and not being able to be out in their community now with AI, there is the ability to, you know, allow somebody to stay home alone and the staff actually attend, go to the horseback riding um, lessons that the, the, the other person wanted to attend without worrying about safety. And is the family involved as well? Are they getting the same, seeing the same benefits? The families are very involved. Actually, one of the things that we did at the very beginning, Mark and I pulled in families to make sure that we really got the family experience as well. 
um, and not only organizations. So the families were involved in the very first sprint developed by Cisco, and they gave great feedback. These are all families that have planned with and that are looking to build, you know, a good life in their community. And we're really excited about the possibility of technology making it financially feasible because like I said, staff costs for families, $45 an hour, 24 hours a day is just not possible for these families. And and when you mentioned 65,000 people waiting on list, the reality is these people will be living with their parents until they pass. And then the crisis will occur and they'll be moved to a home with strangers away from their community. So this allows families to plan differently um, with uh, the use of technology. It's going to be amazing. So just shifting a little bit to the actual platform itself. Um, obviously, it was, long, it was a, a quick journey to get here, but I'm sure a lot of planning went into it. What were some of the key challenges and considerations you had to keep in mind when you were developing an app and a platform like this? Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of take that, uh, seeing from my lens from the technology. Um, you know, we at Cisco have great technology. It's fairly robust. Um, it's uh, fairly open. So the art of the possible in most cases is, is relatively easy. I think the challenge we have is how do we make sure that the technology, what we're building is flexible to address different individuals' needs, non-verbal, non-visual, those types of things. How do we also make sure that today we're, we're talking specifically around developmental services. How do we keep the same tenets and principles and methodology to address healthcare needs, dementia, long-term care, others? So I think it's more about how do we make sure that we're addressing specific and have the right customization while at the same time giving us flexibility um, to, to continue to develop the future needs of tomorrow? Um, and a great example of that is that we at Cisco are not building this. So I just want to call that out. We are building this in conjunction with our agency partners. So a huge shout out to Rena, Meta, Class, Creating Alternatives, the DSO in New York's uh, support, uh, YSSN. Uh, we have Delta groups. So we have a Delta groups for participants or the individuals that are actually going to be using this. We have a Delta group specifically for the families and a Delta group for the caregivers or the personal support workers. We are building to their specification, their demand across a multitude of different use cases. So I think in most cases, you do have complexities around building it. Um, I think we're building it in the right approach with the right people taking a very agile approach and building and developing as new opportunities come to correct and improve it. Well, it seems like the right organizations, uh, you know, enabled you guys the right background and information. And I guess their key priorities and experiences, uh, you know, they share that with you to keep it top in mind as you were developing an app. So that's a great story and, and a great set of stakeholders that were involved in this as well. So glad to hear that. Um, talking a little bit about the, you know, real life example, um, for someone that has used the app, my understanding is that uh, starting in January, this app has been used in a pilot program with about nine individuals and their support networks of choice. Can you share any of those examples of taking this patient care to the next level and the impact this app has had? Um, I think the we call it a circle of support, the people that surround the person that matter most to them. And it's made up of both formal people and informal um, support. So one of the biggest things that was that happened was that those people actually were talking to each other, which is a first step to um, consistent, reliable, and good support. Um, the app allows people to see what is happening to a person throughout the day, make sure that things are actually um, happening on schedule, et cetera. So that allows, for example, a mum or a dad to see that the caregiver 
um, supports have occurred and that the person's needs have been met in the community. So um, for us, it's at very, very early stages, but we're going to be seeing it rolled out in an intentional community at the Rena Intentional Community, the Lou Fruitman location very soon. Um, they're looking at testing it in two four-bedroom apartments um, to see how that can assist not only in, in uh, reducing the staff levels, uh, but also ensuring that um, there is safety overnight with the sensors, for example, um, if a person wakes up. So it's going to be exciting seeing this roll forward. So how do you see this app evolving, you know, as a future, as this builds out? Where do you see this in, say, five to 10 years from now? I think what we're looking to deliver is, or what we are delivering is what we call an MVP, the minimal viable product that addresses um, those four use cases that I described earlier. We already are working and have a roadmap between the uh, short-term success already having to see how does AI can scale to provide more insight and analytics to help identify potential um, routines or offset any manual interventions from A, the caregiver, the family, or the participant to make different types of selections um, or customization for that individual. Remember, the whole tenant of this is how do we provide more individualized support? So the more we can incorporate technology to help that, um, we are we are essentially aligning to the journey to belonging, right? And uh, we're truly trying to align to the technology portion of that. So like I keep saying, we are trying to deliver the how. So AI will be the next evolution phase in order to driving value, driving optimization, driving technology as a safeguard, and providing more, more individualized support that the agencies can provide, as well as um, to, to those people being supported. It sounds like we're on the right path. And, and you know, what we used to know around developmental support circle and, and the methods that were used to either integrate or provide autonomy at the time with what, what I'll say limited technologies available. This project looks like, you know, the success of this can just change the way we go about it in the future, right? And, and perhaps younger and younger autonomous adults or individuals will will be able to get that kind of you know support or, or or live the life that they should be living all along without without having to they won't have as many challenges or barriers as as they might be experiencing before so this is this is a great advancement i mean i love the project i love everything about it i can only see it crossing other you know support industries around long-term care senior care either in the home or outside of the home so it could just change society as a whole um What's next for you guys with this app? Yeah, I think really is we are we are proving it out um, every phase that what we are building jointly. Again, we're building this for the agencies, for the individuals. I think we're, we're proving out the use cases and the outcome. I think really the next step is how do we create better community-based awareness to have those that make the decisions from a political level um, to help us get this on board. And, and you know, we, we are already doing this. We're working on how do we map um, technology as part of the journey belonging mandate specifically to enable the how. And so, you know, we are working. And so my ask would be, how do we get more people, more visibility? Because, you know, this is something that's often overlooked, right? You know, the development services industry competes with that of healthcare and other. And how do we make sure we get the right priorities to deliver the right outcomes to make sure that the government is achieving what they've mandated through the journey of belonging? So I think I think it's really up to us. And we, I want to thank you personally for bringing us on because it's these types of interactions, it's these type of discussions and these type of forums that it's going to drive this forward. We can build the best possible app that's going to hit every single use case and milestone if we don't have the support of the people, 
the individuals, the agencies, and more important, the government, it, it won't be as impactful as, 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 as we can and know it should be. Mark Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. I, like, I'm really excited about this project. I think you guys have addressed all the challenges and barriers that we see in the past around developmental support. And I think you guys have really nailed it with this platform in terms of how it services both the developmental services workers, the family, and the individual users. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. You have my full support. And I really want to thank you for joining us today on the Healthcare Now podcast. 